At One Up, we believe in being curious and taking a little bit of value from everyone. So welcome to the Breadcrumb series, where we get bite-sized amounts of previous episodes and can hear a new perspective in less than five minutes. This breadcrumb is from the Sapiens series, a brief history of humankind, my summary and reflections. So moving on from the cognitive revolution, we go to the agricultural revolution. This is when we moved from being hunters and foragers to farmers and you know initially our reliance as humans as homo sapiens was hunting animals gathering plants to obtain food we didn't have crops you know we were just going out into wherever we lived and and finding that diversity of food that diversity of nutrients that meant we moved from place to place in search of these resources and were limited by the availability of food in that certain area so we actually you know now we sort of live in a home and we stay in the same area for most of our lives most of us will retire in the country we're born in and things like that but actually at our roots we're explorers we're people who went out and changed our surroundings often in order to find those resources now our resource is the local supermarket so there's just no need to do that their lives are also influenced by seasons and the migration patterns of animals now we live in houses so whether or not it's winter whether or not it's summer we can exist in the same area it wasn't actually until the agricultural revolution when the idea of settling so staying in one place became a thing so this is around 10,000 years ago we began to grow crops domesticate animals and humans homo sapiens we discovered that we could intentionally plant and grow things like wheat barley whatever by just having one kind of farm and tending to these crops and that would create a reliable food source right which seems like wow what a smart idea instead of moving around all the time let's just stay in the same place and grow everything for ourselves like obviously that seems like the best thing to do right so because the food supply was a lot more predictable Populations could grow larger, right? Because it was like, oh, okay, well, we can actually help more people survive now. So we can grow a bigger group of people. We can have more babies. We can build more houses. We can just help to resource. We have more resource. And so we can do more things. This was also the start of when people started to specialize in certain skills. If you think about now, we have a job. I'm I'm a marketing. I have marketing skills. I don't have farming skills. So my place is marketing. Um, So back then it was similar where people had different tasks like tool making or trading or or leading, you know, being the leader. But it did seem throughout reading this book like the introduction of farming and making life supposedly easier actually caused more hardship in so many ways because there was a need for security, which meant the domestication of farm animals and other sorts of animals and bigger setups and structures which we'll talk about they also didn't have a varied food source anymore right so one day we might be eating blueberries and wheat and then the next day we're eating cabbage and uh, god I have no idea what food is actually growing and it could have been anything but one day we're having this type of food the next day we're having another type of food and so our diets changed completely which would change I would imagine, like the makeup of someone and the survival rate of someone quite significantly because you're not eating eating the rainbow and that is an important part of living to your full physical potential, you know, having a mix of macronutrients and micronutrients and that just wasn't happening as much. This just went on 
for so long where you couldn't change it anymore. What was initially thought to be the best idea ever because it was making living so much easier actually was like, hmm, is this actually a little bit harder? And so the book talks about, well, why didn't they just change it? But there are a couple of different reasons, you know, one of them being that it actually took generations for all of these small changes to accumulate and to transform society in the first place. And by that point, nobody even knew what it used to be like. And I think if that's not a metaphor for life, I don't know what is, where, you know, things have gone the same way they've gone for so long, that reversing something or changing it would just cause even more admin, detrimental effects. People, in this case, in terms of history, um, where they were growing crops for a certain amount of people, and they're like, oh, actually, maybe this is harder. Some people would have had to have gone without because there weren't enough hunters and gatherers to be able to produce for everyone. I mean, the introduction of farming is why they could grow the population in the first place. And if we think about that to now, we think about it in workplaces and families, for example, we just keep things the way they are because it's the way they've always been and changing it would take so much emotionally and probably physically to improve things. You know, a random example I always think about when I think about things that have been the same and never changed, it probably will never change, is the accounting system some of those ways of doing things I swear are so outdated can you imagine having to change the whole accounting system it would have flow on effects to business in so many ways it would take years it would just be the biggest most ridiculous thing ever that's why they're not doing it because imagine the detrimental effects it would have so we just continue on the way we've always done it because that's the most comfortable and easy way for now and it suits the largest amount of people. We cater to the majority, don't we? Another great example they use here is is the concept of sending emails. You know, before you'd just write a letter and the person wouldn't get it for two weeks and then they wouldn't reply for two weeks and then it's been a month since you got your last letter and then you get it a month and a half later and so much has changed and people would only put the most important details in a letter because so much time had gone by and it would take time and you were able to you didn't even need boundaries because the time it was already taking was the boundary whereas now I can email someone across the world have a reply within two minutes and so much comes with that like the mental stress of feeling like you need to reply and be available all the time always needing to have something to say when you don't like just thinking about the impacts of that are wild And when I say, you know, we cater to the majority, think about people who refuse to get a phone or refuse to set up an email. And I'm sure there'll be many people in our generations, like the younger generations who resist certain technologies when we move into our 60s and 70s as well. But it won't matter because the majority are moving with it. So those of us who hold back for whatever reason, we won't be enough to impact any sort of change. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of The One Up Project. If you want to find more stuff just like this, check out our other apps or follow us at The One Up Project on Instagram or TikTok. See you there.